does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, we are back. Kevin's Corner. It would not be a Wednesday pod without plenty of Colts news. So, Eddie Garrison, it's going to be a busy one here on a Wednesday. You know, when we first started this podcast, I don't know, a handful of years ago, I was like, oh, the Wednesday podcast will be shorter. It'll be game-specific. You know, it'll be very previewy based And now, with the news cycle the way it is, uh, we haven't had a lot of that. We'll, we'll get to the Browns here a little bit later in the podcast, but... When your rookie quarterback is announced out for the year and one of your best players is suspended for six games, that tends to take the news cycle. Yes, definitely. And that's where we're at here on October 18th. Again, Wednesday afternoon, first Colts practice of the week just wrapped up. I'll let you know what I saw out there. Um, but, Eddie, let's not waste any other time. Let's get right into the Richardson um, official announcement via Jim Mercer's Twitter and then Shane Steichen shared his thoughts at his Wednesday presser. Um, you know, Shane had a quote early in that press conference, Eddie, that I thought really succinctly in very Shane fashion kind of summed up everything about Richardson's rookie year. And the quote was, I thought when he played he was explosive and he was electric. That quote right there, Eddie, what is that, 10, 11 words? That to me kind of sums it all up. I thought when he played he was explosive and he was electric. Undoubtedly, in my opinion, you watch him play and you see why the Colts thought he could be something and why the Colts still feel like he can certainly be something. Um, The caveat, unfortunately, is that when he played aspect to it. Um, And in my opinion, you just can't ignore that. And and I thought, again, that was a spot-on quote. I would add... As long, uh, along with explosive and electric, Eddie, I would add that he was poised. And I know he wasn't thrown into the fire, you know, week in and week out. I mean, hell, he only played one quarter of football on the road all year long, and I would argue the road environment he played in was one of the more um, quieter places in the league in, in Houston. So, you know, that is, again, adding to the list of disappointment you have in this season being cut so short. Um, but still, I would say on the field, a little bit more of the, of the throwing aspect to the dual threat. There was some poise. There was the Rams comeback. You know, all of those things. Um, confident. Again, yeah, confident. I just think it wasn't deer in headlights. And, and, you know, for some of these guys, it can be that. So I think you got to be highly, highly encouraged. Comfortable. About that. Comfortable would be another word that um, that you would put in there. Uh, you know, Shane was asked about playing style and does that need to change? And. You know, he said we'll cross that bridge in the off season. I do think it'll be a deep dive in the off season into that. You know, it, a little bit of do you even get into the oh Tua did jujitsu to help him fall better? I I know that some of that stuff might sound stupid, but I think you have to turn over all of those stones. But when Shane answered that question about you know does his playing style do you need to call plays differently, he was quick to mention the weapon that he brings as a dual threat runner. So, again, when I hear Shane say that, I also kind of agree with him, Eddie. Limit, not eliminate. You're going to hear that phrase from me a whole lot 
in the next 10 months when we talk about Anthony Richardson leading into his 2024 season. Um, I did the horrific math problem a couple pods ago. You know, if all of a sudden you take eight design runs and make that four design runs, the threat is still there. You, you Defenders still have to be honest with you. And if they're not, they're going to get burned, and it's going to be shown on film that whole next week when that next team is getting ready for you. And that's 60, what did we say, 68 less? Yeah, so six, 17 times four would be 68. And I said, let's just throw out he gets hit. Let's take out 15 of those that he doesn't get hit on. He runs out of bounds. He scores a touchdown. He slides, et cetera, et cetera. If you're taking out 50 hits and the threat is still there, I still think that's a pretty potent dual-threat quarterback. It sure as hell is going to look a lot different than the quarterback we're going to watch operate here for the next couple of months. Um, and I'm also interested, Eddie, like, okay, what stylistically does he look like differently? You know, go back to the Rams play, the first play of the game. What do you do? He slid after the concussion. You know, I thought Andrew Luck in 2018, Eddie, was a very different quarterback. I mean, it was get the ball out quick and, 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 you know, not as reckless as a runner. You know, what happens when an injury hits you, not to mention a lengthy one, obviously from an absence standpoint? Sounds like, you know, a very good chance he'll be ready for the spring offseason program. So, um, you know, that that leaves plenty of time to obviously rehab. He's still going to be at meetings and everything. I asked him about high school. Uh, you know, Anthony had a right shoulder issue a little bit in high school, and, and I asked Shane, you know, was was any of that playing into him uh, opting for surgery versus rehab? And Shane didn't say that that was the case at all, but that was something that I was curious about. Um, so I think that covers kind of the Steichen-related updates from um, Richardson. Again, I am... As bummed as I think I am, and probably speak for everybody, and not getting to see Richardson the rest of the season, I am all for the, if this was the best approach long-term, you do it. Like, no way did I... This isn't Andrew Luck in 2015. Go back to 2015, Eddie. Week three, Luck gets hurt. What was 2015? All chips in. Frank Gore. Andre Johnson. The Colts of the Super Bowl. Favorite in the AFC, one of the Super Bowl favorites. They just gotten to the AFC title game the year before. That was like a, we're going to do it this year. Like, this is, we're going to make a run. And you lose the first two, and then luck gets hurt in week three. Well, of course he's going to force it. Of course he's going to try to come back as quick as possible. And he only missed two games, played through the injury the rest of the year, then opted to have rehab over surgery the next offseason because again you still feel like you're in this short-term 2016 window okay we can get back to win now and I think there's a lot of regret from all parties involved with that Um, I'm not overly worried about Richardson's shoulder surgery and injury like this is not you know it is it a bit unusual that an AC sprain leads to shoulder surgery sure I guess that is fair to say but Eddie I'm not like on pins and needles to be like, okay, when is he throwing? Like, I mean, sure, naturally, when you get in the offseason news cycle, you'll be curious about that stuff. But I guess what I'm getting at is I want our listeners to know, Eddie, that I'm not worried about the shoulder injury itself. I'm more curious of what does the career arc look like? And, and almost in a way, I kind of exit 2023, which I can't believe I'm saying exiting 2023 in mid-October, but unfortunately, that's where it is with Richardson. I almost feel like, Eddie, the returns from him could be more promising earlier. 
but the window of the career might not be as long as I originally thought. And honestly, I probably should have paid a little bit more attention into guys that, you know, stylistically are very dual threat nature. They don't really do much in their 30s. I mean, it's more of a, you know, unless their style changes big time to much more of a pocket passer, it's not like they have that same style to them as they reach whatever, year 7, 8, 9, 10, stuff like that. So, But having said that, again, I almost look at 2024 and 2025 and think, okay, if that dude we saw in six quarters, if he's the guy, extrapolate that over the course of a full season, you could get this thing started a little bit quicker and, and get it humming a little bit quicker. I think we were kind of resigned to the fact of like, oh, 21-year-old, 13 college starts, uh, you know, don't wake up again until year four, year five, if you're looking for really tangible results. I think I'm bumping that up a little bit. But I don't know if the career arc is necessarily going to be there as deep. You know, it might be premature for me to say any of that stuff, but that's just kind of where my opinion is at right now. Um, I, I, I cannot stress this enough, just how overall the lack of reps is there for him. Like, it just, I mean, Eddie, he threw 84 passes this year. Gardner Minshew threw 99 in the two starts he's had. Gardner Minshew, 99 passes in two starts. Anthony Richardson, 84 for the whole season. It's a large number. I mean, if you look at the playing time, we talked about this on Monday, you know, 173 snaps for Richardson. 39 Colts last year had more snaps. Again, he he played one quarter and one series on the road all year, and that was Houston. So you know that's the type of stuff that just his progression, his eyes, his reps, uh, the exposure of it all. You know, again, reacting to these unscripted moments. You know, really didn't play in the second half of a lot of games. Obviously, the Rams, you had the big comeback. You know, and, and you could look at both of that. You know, if you look at the second halves that he played. Rams and Jags, two totally different stories. You know, Jags, it was it, it was a struggle. And a little bit of deer in headlights, and he throws the pick in the opener. Within Rams, it was, hey, everybody climb on my back and watch us come back in this game and go into overtime. Okay, so now I'm like, wait, which one's right and which one's wrong? Like, what is the one that – and that's the difficulty of it because I just want to see him in more of those settings that, again, are just so, so uh, – Invaluable. Um, I think that pretty much covers it all. You know, I, I know a lot of people have brought out the okay. Let's list the all the ro- young rookie quarterbacks that have been hurt before. Let's find the guys that have had early shoulder issues in their career. I continue to say, Eddie Richardson's an outlier with all of that. Like Drew Brees' college resume was what Matthew Stafford's college college resume was what, and what do those two dudes do? They don't leave the pocket. So, like, you know, comparing their situations to Richardson. Hall I, of Fame careers as well. I, you, right. I mean, obviously, they've turned into Hall of Fame players, but they had big time college resumes. Yeah. And stylistically, no one said about Drew Brees and Matthew Stafford. Well, if you eliminate four design runs on a weekly <laughs> basis, that means they're going to hit, get hit, you know, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Like, none of that was being discussed. And that's where with Richardson, he's just different. He's just different than all of them. Um. So yeah, we will see. Obviously, how all of this plays out, and 
unfortunately, no concrete answers. Eddie's going to come and for another 11 months, and that's a disappointment. You know, you don't go 4-12-1 and and get embarrassed and be disappointed to watch Gardner Minshew start a dozen games, but that's the reality of where you're at. And future questions about, you know, is he injury prone is his body fully developed you know is he can he, is he ready to take NFL hits like that's all just going to be up in the air that's all a shrug of the shoulders until he you know strings games together strings months together um, and, and that's why I just come away and bummed is the word that I've said a million times we have two s- six quarter stretches to evaluate him on that's it the first six quarters of the season and then Rams into Titans when he gets hurt. And, yeah, I just throw my hands up and think, man, I was thinking bad, boring, and old at quarterback was last year. And now I'm thinking, well, they're not – I guess they're kind of still young at quarterback. But I'm like, wait, are they about to be – they're certainly much more boring. <laughs> and now we'll find out about bad or good here over the final 11 games of the season. So – um, you exit this season, more questions, I think, on career window, uh, injury-prone than you do how he looks as a quarterback in this league. You know, can he play at this level? I think those questions have been lessened. But even then, I'd be naive to just say six quarters means put his bust in Canton yeah like, you know it, it, it still is again the dude's played one quarter away from home I mean you think road games shape some guys careers you think road playoff success shape some guys careers not just at ask all. Peyton Manning not you know? at all so those are the questions that again unfortunately uh, we will get to September whatever 12th of next season and a lot of this will almost feel like having to get on the bike for the first time again after the Tennessee game I asked you what would you expect or what would you look for as storylines the rest of the way with Gardner Minshew at the potentially at the helm of the Colts for the rest of the year? You, you didn't want to go that far just yet because obviously we didn't know enough, but what about now? Yeah, it, it to me in some way, shape, or form, Eddie, and this is stuff I definitely want to continue to get and harp on here over the next few weeks because I do think the Richardson storyline just – it has to take a backseat after after this podcast, at least for our kind of content-specific stuff. But I went back and looked at the um, the pod that we did right before the season, and we talked about the storylines, kind of non-Richardson. Well, mm-hmm. second on the list was Taylor, so I, obviously that one has been checked. Um, so it's, it's Pittman, it's Pierce, it's the offensive line, with Ryman probably being the individual I highlight the most. Okay, the O-line, does it continue to kind of look in a positive way, how it's looked through the first six weeks? And then, and then again, Ryman specifically, and obviously the test this Sunday is, I mean, it is, it's the biggest one with Miles Garrett and company. Is that, it, it, all of a sudden, do you map out your future and think, hey, we need to extend Bernard Ryman after 2024? I mean, that would be a beautiful thing to have to ask yourself and 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 want to do and obviously his agent would would want that more than anything uh and then defensively um you know certainly quitty pay what does that look like i guess we got to discuss a little grover stewart here in just a second with him in a contract year in this news um you know the shaquille leonard storyline speaks for itself the kenny moore storyline probably speaks for itself i asked us bradley on tuesday about playing nick cross a little bit more sounds like they're open-minded to it uh eddie he's played 
13 snaps in the last 21 games since he started the first two games of his career. The yeah. guy they used a third-round pick yeah, on, right? Traded, used one and traded, you know, traded yeah. a, you know, a future third to get back into the the third round to get him. So, um, and then I would also just say Shane Shane Steichen. Um, I think Colts fans should be encouraged by what Shane has shown so far. Uh, but again, it's a long season, and we are, you know, what what we're I guess just over one third of the way through it. So. Those would be some of the storylines, certainly. All right. Yesterday, it came out that Grover Stewart will be suspended for the next six games as a result of testing positive for a performance-enhancing drug. Kevin, your thoughts? Um, let me begin here. Um, I think back to the Isaiah Rogers situation, Eddie. And I remember, actually, I think you and I might have been talking on that day when all that went down. But someone contacted me around lunchtime that day and said, if I told you a Colts player was about to get busted for gambling, who do you think it would be? And I sent back two players to this person, and Isaiah Rodgers was one of the two. It was me. What, what Was that you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, please don't share who the other player was <laughs> for our sake. But if you would have texted me yesterday morning, Eddie, and said, hey, man, a player is about to get busted for PEDs suspended for six games, who do you think it is? Of the fifty-three guys in that locker in that locker room, I probably would have gotten to player forty-five before I named Grover Stewart. Just, I, and you know what, Shane Steichen's comments today, Eddie, I think almost kind of falls in line with my line of thinking. I I thought Shane, I, I think an accurate phrase to say is I thought he stood by Grover. He made a mistake. It wasn't malicious. He's an unbelievable teammate. He's got great character. Guys in our locker room gravitate towards him. The comments out of Shane Steichen's mouth about Grover Stewart's situation sounded very different from Chris Ballard's comments about the Isaiah Rogers situation. And you know, again, being busted for gambling when you, you know, probably are a little more conscious of what you're doing versus who knows how the anabolic agent uh, got into Grover Stewart's system. Um, before we get into the loss of Stewart. I don't really want to debate, you know, okay, how do these guys get popped? Do they really know? Is it really Was it really a surprise, like Grover said in his post? You know, you go back to the Robert Mathis one a decade ago, Eddie. Um, you know, he gets busted for PEDs, he's out four games, and he says it's a fertility issue, and him and his wife are trying to have kids. Like, I'm not, like, I don't, I think it'd be unfair for me to even, like, debate that. Where I kind of fall in line is, if I knew that a mistake would cost me $3 million, I would go to the nth, nth, nth degree to make sure that everything entering my body I knew about. And whether that meant I need to double check with my off-season trainer that you know, this substance goes into my protein shake and not that substance, and we've got to take this out and blah, 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 and it takes an extra five minutes, so be it. If that means we go to a restaurant on vacation and I literally need to have the chef come and tell me what's in this sort of dish and it's going to take an extra three minutes, so be it. If it's worth three, first offense is six games, Eddie. This is not, you know, third offense, fourth offense, you know, whatever. And $3 million? That's just kind of my general thought on it. Now, 
the loss of him. I mean, six. Uh, he's one of the rarest defensive tackles in the NFL. He's not a space eater. He's not just a space eater, is the best way. He's not, you know, th- think of your older defensive tackles Gilbert Brown, Ted Washington, I'm trying to think of Tony Saragoose. I mean, Vince Wolfork. Vince Wolfork. I mean, think about the hog mollies in the middle that just give me two blockers and let my linebackers run. Hog free. mollies. Nice. Hog mollies. Uh huh. He's not that. He is a disruptor, a playmaker at defensive tackle. Playmaker and defensive tackle and nose tackle is probably the better way to put it. Those don't always go together. And that's him. He's been absurdly durable. He's got a crazy high motor. I could not speak highly, more highly, of Grover Stewart at all, really. Hasn't missed a game. person either. Yeah, I mean, per, I mean, it seems to check every box as a, as a person. Um, hasn't missed a game in five years. I, it just... He is such a central figure to one of the few areas of this football team, Eddie, that over the last handful of years, what have we said? That's a strength. It's a strength. It's been a top 10 run defense since 2018. I know this year it's a little bit behind that, but it has been a top 10 run defense every single year, whether it's Eberflus, whether it's Gus Bradley, it's been that. And now at a very important juncture of the season, when you're already lacking juice offensively, now your supposed strength defensive front loses, again, a central figure and a very reliable, more often than not, we're not worried about the other team running it on us. And I I go back to a Chris Ballard quote from last January, Eddie. Of all the issues last season, I thought Ballard was spot on in saying, we need our best players to play like they are our best players. That did not happen enough last season. And so what does this news mean? Grover Stewart, one of your best players, is now out for a month and a half. Is DeForest Buckner still one of your best players with this news? And I don't say that as a shot at Buckner, but Eddie, if you are Kevin Stefanski, and you saw this news yesterday afternoon, and you sat there in your team meeting room and say, okay, you know, Joel Batonio's a little bit banged up, I, uh, you know, it White Teller's battled some stuff. Obviously, the Browns have a really good offensive line, so maybe they're not the best comp. But basically, if you're getting ready to prepare for the Colts right now, you used to have to debate, do we double 90 or do we double 99 on the rundowns? Yeah. Now it's obvious. Okay, Taven Bryant, single team. Eric Johnson, single team. And... That's So now do you take Buckner, a great player, and does he become a good player? Because he is doubled so often on those early downs. That's a question that I have. Those two guys, Eddie, Taven Bryan, who is much more of a pass rush guy than a run defender, and then Eric Johnson, who's probably a little bit more on the flip side of it, uh, they need to step up. And, and what an opportunity in particular for Johnson. You know, fifth-round pick from two years ago, for what it's worth, he was taking one round behind Grover Stewart. He's also kind of a smaller school guy. If you look at the Grover Stewart career arc, it was very quiet his first two seasons and then took off and has taken off over the last handful. I haven't seen much of the flash from Eric Johnson, but what an opportunity he's got here moving forward. Again, Adetamia Adabare to me is a little bit more of a three technique, not a one technique, so I don't necessarily look at him. I mean, just naturally, he'll probably get a little bit more run here. Uh, but specifically, I would say Brian and I would say um, Johnson are the two guys that I point to with that. Um, anything else Grover-related? 
I don't think so. The Cleveland, uh, not the Cleveland Browns, it's who the Colts play, but uh, the New York Jets are trading Mecole Hartman back to the Kansas City Chiefs. Really? Yeah. How many times do you see that? Uh, too frequently. It feels like now. Trading back to them, though. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Browns, Saints, Panthers, Patriots, Bucks, Titans. So when you think about run-specific teams, I mean, obviously the Browns are still pretty committed to running it. Certainly Alvin Kamara is kind of a different type of runner. Uh, but boy, Derrick Henry, that, that rematch. You Maybe. Still won't have if he's still there. Grove, obviously. That, that is a good point. Who knows how the next couple weeks go for the Titans. So, uh, Yeah, kicking the kicking the you-know-what, man, for the next six weeks. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything on Grover. All right, so looking at the Cleveland Browns, the injury report sits like this as of now, 330 on Wednesday, uh, Deshaun Watson is questionable. He did not practice Wednesday because he's dealing with a rotator cuff contusion. Having trouble driving the football, right? Correct. That's the problem is that he can't really drive the football down the field. Doesn't sound good. No. Uh, he did not practice today. His status was, quote, up in the air. Kareem Hunt did not practice today either. I don't think there's any question, though, about his availability with the thigh injury. He should be playing uh, on Sunday, um, as you noted, Joel Petonio, uh, he is questionable as of right now. He just missed practice, I think, today as well. He got nicked up. Anthony Walker left Sunday's game against the 49ers after sustaining a concussion. Uh, of course, very rare have we seen players come back from a concussion. I think Mo Ali Cox might be the only player that has been concussed and then played the following week as of uh, right now, I don't know where things stand across the NFL. That's the only one that comes to mind. Um, yeah, and when you look at Cleveland, well, I guess let's just look at the game in general. Right now, if you look at the AFC standings, Cleveland seventh, last playoff spot. Colts are eighth. So when you talk about last week and the importance of that game, obviously there's two paths to get into the playoffs, division, wild card. This is a huge, huge game. If you are a fan of the Colts and you're thinking wild card, and I don't know, maybe that's a ludicrous thought to even bring up, but you know what? Um, life in the NFL, you never know what's going to happen, so we're we're bringing it up. Uh, and if you look at the next four, Eddie, I mean, it, it, it seems manageable. You know, a, a likely a PJ Walker led Browns team. Uh, you know, who knows what'll happen with the Saints? Obviously, you've got, I would say, the two easiest teams in the NFL, or the two whatever worst teams in the NFL. And the Patriots and the Panthers on the schedule after that. Bless you. So if you're looking at, okay, man, could they go 3-1 and one over the next four? This is the one that means more than the other ones, though. You know, the, the NFC games take on less importance. You don't think the Patriots are obviously going to be there at the end of the year. So for those in that camp, this one is absolutely critical, especially because you know that AFC North, they just beat each other up. All four of those teams right now are at 500 or better. And you do already have the head-to-head over Baltimore. For some reason, that would get in there. Um this defense, it's um, it is um, it's it, historic as of right now. It, it is historic, and I don't even know if that does it justice. What stands out to me about their defense, Eddie, is oftentimes when you see, hey, you're playing the number whatever two ranked scoring defense, number one ranked defense in in this category. Oftentimes, the takeaway category is a huge reason why they are that good of a defense. You look at Cleveland. They're second to last in the NFL in turnovers forced. They don't force turnovers. What they do is they say, hey, you have to get to that those sticks 
that are 10 yards long in three plays, maybe four. Good luck. And what happens? Teams wilt. 200 yards a game. 200 yards a game. This is the NFL. 200 yards a game. Eddie, I saw a stat today. In the last, I believe it's 24 years, this metric went back to 99. There has not been a defense in the NFL that's it's more difficult to get a first down against than the Cleveland Browns this year. 24 years of the NFL. A defense. No one has been better at stopping teams short of getting a first down than the Browns. I'm like, what happens when they start to get turnovers? I think. <laughs> I mean, like, you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Sunday's game against San Francisco is a true teller of how good they actually are. Because, like, you look at the games prior to that, you played Cincinnati, of course, Joe Burrow. That was the only day, only week of practice he had leading up to that game in, like, a month or so. Uh, they played Cleveland – or not Cleveland, can't play themselves, but Tennessee, who don't look good offensively. They played Baltimore, who's kind of struggled offensively. So it's like, okay, is this defense legit? And then you hold San Francisco to 215 yards of offense. And then prior to their last drive, the 49ers had – 21 total yards of offense in the second half and one first down. Yeah, it's it is so eye popping. I mean, obviously there are names at every level of the defense that stand out. No one more than Miles Garrett and what he looks like. And boy, Sam Ellinger maybe should start warming up now. And we'll see. Braden Smith did not practice when uh, I was at just a Colts practice. Alec Pierce is actually doing some stuff off to the side, so it doesn't look like his absence will be too too long. Uh, but we'll keep an eye. On that, uh, their offense is pretty blah. I mean, I, I've always liked their O line. I still think they can run it somewhat effectively. I don't think PJ Walker is good. Um, he certainly wasn't good against the 49ers, who wasn't a reason why they won that game. It's wild to think a dude they signed two weeks ago, like, is their starter now. Uh, and, and we'll see about Watson. But if you've missed the last, what, three weeks and you don't practice on a Wednesday, I, I would think that's not a good sign for Deshaun Watson. And probably there's an element of like, you know, let's keep him out another week and see if we can just out ugly the Colts on uh, on Sunday. Uh, obviously, Amari Cooper good at football, so that will be somebody to keep an eye on. And so many connections, man. So many. Bubba Ventrone, Anthony Walker is in concussion protocol. Unfortunately, Matt Adams, former Colts linebacker, Rodney McLeod, uh, and the Indy guys, Dewan Jones, the Ben Davis product, the big old dancing bear. At right tackle, I think he will be highly motivated considering his hometown team took a tackle five spots ahead of him and Blake Freeland in the fourth round versus, um, oh, I think it was 106 for Freeland maybe and 111 was Dewan Jones to the Browns. And then uh, David Bell, uh, I know he made a couple of big plays last week, but he's been really quiet in his NFL career. And this year he's averaging like 10 snaps a game, uh, four catches in five games for so <laughs> I think that covers everything Browns related. Uh, we'll give our picks before the end. Anything else Browns wise, Eddie, before we get to Deion Jackson, you forgot about him. Oh, the practice squad for Deion, right? Yeah. And those Indiana Knights jerseys for the Colts. I, I think the helmets look great. I do too. Yeah, of course you've been able to see them in person being in the locker room today. So I'm a fan. I I I, I have always said one time a year you wear something crazy. And not just color rush, not just you know Colts Brown or Colts Broncos Smurfs from <laughs> Thursday Night Football a few years ago. So uh, yeah, I think it's a good look.
I do too. I'll be there on Sunday, so nice. can't wait to nice. check them out on Spiro the Spiro action, third straight week of Spiro and Archuleta. Yeah, I don't know if we have them next week or not. Uh, I think it's Fox uh, back with the Saints. So, so at Tim Brando and then whomever his yeah, partner is. Isn't it been a lot of Kenny Albert and Vilma? I feel uh, like yep, yep. Popular crew. Um, all right, let's get into Twitter questions. Michael is up first. With Anthony Richardson most likely out for the rest of the season, I think the worst case scenario is if Gardner Minshew somehow went eight to nine games. At this point, I would like to lose every game we play the rest of the way. Our rookie quarterback is getting no game reps, and the chances of the Colts making the playoffs are very slim. I think the season is a wash and try to load up for next year with a healthy AR. I'm saying this six games through. What do you think the rest of the fan base thinks? Hope all is well and love all the content you and Andy put out. Speaking of which, where's my damn Reese's? Andy slash Eddie. You gotta come to my house on Halloween. No, I, 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 I honestly am just adding them up because I know I'm gonna have to buy you a bag eventually. So I'm just waiting for. Mm. I feel like I've been good today calling you Eddie, but yeah, that, it's only after the show when you go from Andy <laughs> to Eddie. That might have been the kiss of death. Eddie, you've got people in the entertaining loss category, and you've got te- people that still look at three and three and say the rest of the season. I mean, aren't they a bunch of coin flips? Like, that's how, I mean, again, P.J. Walker coming into your building? Who's like, going to suck less? Yeah, I mean, that's, there is part of that. So, um, you are in the wild card hunt. You, I mean, what, I don't know, what Jacksonville loses tomorrow night with maybe C.J. Beathard at quarterback? You know, it, who knows? So, um, winning with Minshew, though, that's where I just struggle. And I know there are fans that are like, I don't care, Kevin Bowen. It doesn't matter to me if we're drafting six or if we're drafting 16. I want this team to win. Point blank, period. And that is totally fine. I I mean, it is your fandom. You cheer how you want to cheer. I've been torn as an Notre Dame fan many times. Torn. Many, I'm like, do I want that coach to get fired? Do I want to save the recruits? Do I want to win? Like, <laughs> you know, like, wh- where are you at with that? So I, I will let you choose how you would like. Um, and, and you know, part of me goes back to the Richardson injury situation, Eddie, and looking back at guys in their careers. The one career that I go back to playing style wise that it's just still amazing to me, he has barely missed any time in his career, and that's Josh Allen. I think the stat is he's missed one game in the last five years. <laughs> you imagine if you splice together all the unnecessary hits Josh Allen has taken? Yes. Say one game in five years. Like, it's nuts. Does that mean his body is just. Immortal? It's immortal. I mean, seriously. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Michael, for the question. I will say one thing that I wanted to bring up and touch on when we were talking about Richardson. Um, Yeah, even though he's not, like, going through, like, the physical and the game reps, he's still going to be in those meeting rooms and watching film. Yeah, he was not at practice today, but uh, the expectation is he will still be at practice and meetings. And a question for Shane Second down the road is, you know, do you have any projects for him? Like, do you have anything in-game that you want him to work on? You know, is there any sort of game prep stuff of, like, hey, Anthony, I want you to come up with protection scheme for this week you know obviously you don't necessarily implement that but it's just kind of homework for him mm-hmm. i mean i think that would be all smart things to do and i mean his family's here it, it makes so much sense that he's staying in this area. i mean this is not andrew luck to the netherlands right with or us, europe so. or whatever it was yeah yeah uh daniel is up next this may be too early but has there been any consideration for a two quarterback system we know Gardner Minshew has struggled being a starter when defenses game plan for him. 
Could we use Sam Ellinger in a sub role to run and sometimes throw? Tebow, like in his early college career, the offense felt predictable with Anthony Richardson. No, this is done in college. Brian Kelly did it a bit, but not sure if it's a thing in the NFL. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, part of me, here's two quarterback system. Part of me here's... Um, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks? <laughs> and part of me, you know, here's the um, Tebow word, and I'm like... One, one Tom sh- Allen? Shudder on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I am all in favor of unique things in short yardage. Something in short yardage has to be done. Go back and watch the third and two, I believe, on the opening drive to Moss. Right at the gut on Sunday. Just nobody, nobody's worried about the perimeter. So what is it? Do you put Moss and Taylor back there and you kind of run a little bit of, um, you know, Wildcat stuff with them? Are you bringing Downs in motion? Are you bringing McKenzie in motion? I've seen a lot of teams recently going back to the Wildcat. It was the, it was a thing for a while, then it right. disappeared, and is it coming back? Was it McKenzie? I feel like um, Isaiah McKenzie had a couple nice plays on Sunday. My Matt, was that the game before? I don't know. My brain is. I know he had one fried already this week. I thought he had a couple like post catch, uh, maybe jet sweep sort of thing. But um, I, the, you know, and the Colts did this with Ellinger. Remember back a couple years ago? I mean, the Colts ha- have done something like this with Ellinger. So, it, to me, it's not the craziest idea. I am good with that wrinkle. Red zone and short yardage. That's where the run element of Richardson is so, so sorely missed. Yes. So, you can't just rely on the right leg of Matt Gay. You can't just rely on Shane Steichen's incredible ability to scheme, this and that. You've got to find ways to kind of just get your athletes out there. So... Whether it is Wildcat, whether it's Ellinger, sure, I, I'm I'm good with this. A, a throw from somebody you may not expect a trick play. Yeah, Who knows? I don't know. I mean, now we're teetering on a little bit of crazy, but I I am good with creative ideas in short yardage. I don't know. I think it's something like you show on film, like you sure. show it once. Next thing you know, they have the defense you know, has to be aware of Taylor it. Taylor at fullback, Moss at running back, and you give it to to Taylor, vice versa. You know those sorts yeah. of things, like. I think putting those two in the backfield together makes some sense to me. Dollywood, obviously the wide receiver room has struggled over the years, with the root causes being a lack of elite talent and the carousel quarterback. That said, at what point does Reggie Wayne need to be evaluated? Wide receivers don't get separation and at times don't haul in catchable balls. I hate to question an indie legend and one of my favorite Colts, but the production under his coaching term has been lacking and the wide receiver room is continually a concern. Thanks and love the pod. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I would put it more on personnel than I would coaching. Um, if you look at the Wayne career, um, coaching career, he's now what early part of year two. Uh, I would say Michael Pittman has been about what you would expected when he got drafted. Maybe a a, a hair short of what you had wanted. Um, he's on track for obviously a thousand yard season, a couple thousand yard years from a. Early second round pick seems to be a decent expectation. Obviously, the quarterback position has not helped them. Uh, you know, Pierce is the one where he has not, you know, shown too too much here, uh, outside of the occasional deep ball. Obviously, Josh Downs has been, you know, very very good. Um, I, I I am more of what is in the cupboard versus who's cooking in the kitchen when it comes to the receiver position. Mm. And to me, it's just been too quiet. In the bolstering of that room, more from a veteran standpoint, but um, that's where I would go. 
with that one. Yeah, I, and, and you know certainly Reggie had some liking to Pierce. I mean, he went down there to Cincinnati, so I guess you know he certainly had an influence with that one there. But um, again, it's a little bit more ingredients and less to do with the cook. The comparison I like to make to this, or I will make to this, is like baseball fans of the Padres complaining about they need to fire their manager. Uh huh. Like you've got Fernando Tatis Jr., you've got Manny Machado, you've got guys that you spent a ton of money on. Juan Soto. At some point, those guys have to deliver because manager can't go out there and hit for him. He can't field the ball. Yeah, and that's yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, for instance, in this example, Reggie can't go out there and catch the ball for him. He can't run the route for him. Yeah. Uh, Daniel is up next. Is Zach Moss playing his way onto the Colts roster for next season? Meaning, is he playing so well that the Colts can't re-sign him? If Anthony Richardson goes to IR, which he has, do the Colts sign another quarterback, which they have? Kalamond. Yeah, Kalamond, baby, on the practice squad. Um, is Zach Moss playing his way on the Colts roster next year? I would say no. Just because, again, you just invested so much money into Taylor, too. Yeah, and, and you know it's probably twofold. A does Zach Moss want to be here? I mean, if you know Taylor's getting it, whatever, twenty sometimes a game, that's going to be pretty limited. And then two, I I tend to think a, the best compliment to a guy like Taylor being the workhorse is more of that third down guy. You know, more of that shiftier kind of out of the backfield presence. And I don't know, maybe that's Evan Hall coming off the knee injury. But that's kind of the route that I would go. I'm very curious, and Eddie, we can get more into this next week as the trade deadline inches closer. But what what should the trade deadline look for you? You know, someone asked me today, like, would you trade Buckner? I still think Buckner's got a lot left in him in multiple years. And so I probably would not. Um, but you get into guys like Moss, contract year. Kenny Moore, contract year. Julian Blackman, contract year. Um, if you start, like, putting together pen, paper, and thinking, yeah, I don't think we're going to re-sign that guy. Well, part of me is like, well, why play him for the final two months of the year? If you can get something of Zach Moss in return, for example. I mean, you got Moss, who had two years left on his deal. You got him in return, and he obviously has been beneficial to you. Can you find that sort of equivalent trade deadline? What, what's tight end going to look like if and when Jelani Woods ever returns? You know, that is something I'm going to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I could see both ways. I mean, buy or sell. For I'm probably leaning towards a little bit more sell, but... Uh, I think it's just hard for teams at the deadline because these are talks that you've had to you know, have happen already. It, it goes back to Gilmore last year. I mean, this was like... It's not like in fantasy football, or I call it Kevin. Like, hey, Kevin, I'll, um, I'll trade you Tyreek for you know this guy and that guy. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, it... it you know, Gilmore to me just it made so much sense last year to trade him at the deadline. I don't know, could you've gotten more than a fifth? And boy, sure enough, there he is, ice in the game on Monday night. But I mean, they sent what a sixth to get him. So, well, they got a fifth for him. They just signed him as a free agent, Gilmore. Yeah, I thought I could have swore they got him. It was a sign. I could be off here with with Carolina. He was a free agent. Was he? Yeah. My mind's just blanking, I guess. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Not, now you have me questioning my thoughts, too. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
Anyway, Cameron, why does it feel like any uh, any time an opposing offensive line is down key lineman, the Colts' pass rush completely disappears? And anytime our offensive line is missing even one lineman, we get lit up. I feel like I'm on crazy pills. Crazy pills. I forgot about that. That's uh, probably a comment Rosie Bowen's about to make. Yesterday she told me that I need to stop being creepy. Stop being creepy? What were you doing? Um, she's like, stop following me. I'm like, Rosie, it's time to take a bath. Uh, like, what? I mean, what are we doing here? I'm like, who has told you this at school? She's an independent woman now, I Kevin. No, I don't know. Maddie was gone. I told Maddie that. She burst out laughing when I got home. Um, yeah, I... I think it's a fair point Cameron brings up, and this probably goes back to Sunday, you know, when you had one down offensive lineman for the Jags, then they lose Brandon Sheriff during the game. Like, I like to see them just really take advantage more. We're in control. Like, we're the team that's taking full advantage of that. We're the team that's dictating in those situations. I think there's been times this year the Colts have done that a little bit earlier in the year, but... Um, and, and we'll see. The Browns a little bit banged up in their own line. Obviously, they're starting at rookie at right tackle, and we'll see about Joel Batonio as the week moves along, but... Um, yeah, I, I think it's expectations should be a little bit higher in the trenches to really, really take advantage when those opportunities do arise. I remember what I was thinking of. He got traded to Carolina from New England, right? And New England right, got a right. sixth. That's what it was. Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was Cameron's question. Brian is up next with Anthony Richardson on injured reserve and possibly having surgery and out for the season. Does Chris Ballard get another excuse at some point as a general manager? You have to win, right? Chris Ballard has more excuses than results. At one point, does that stop and he's held accountable? Well, I don't think Ballard's going anywhere. Um, let me just start off and say that. Um, I think it's fair to say Jim Mercy's definition of accountability with Chris Ballard is a bit like an object kind of floating in the water in terms of giving him the extension when he did. And then he really has never been one to even act like there is any sort of hot-ish water, whereas with Ryan Grigson, I think it was a little bit different, certainly a lot different, honestly. Um, But yeah, I've just kind of accepted that like Ballard's going to be here and... If you were to make a move, like, what would that mean for Shane Steichen? I mean, not that Shane, I mean, Shane to me deserves to keep his job, but you just get in that awkward nature of the power trippy new GM and how they view people that are not their own underneath them and things like that. But it's like breaking up with a girl or a guy and then you're in high school together and you sit next to each other in the same class. It just gets awkward. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good, that's a good comp there. I, you know, people have asked me, okay, you know, do you evaluate year seven? Like wins were not supposed to be very high, so why is that Ballard's fault? Well, you're in this position because of the failures from the previous six years. I mean, let's be honest. You can't just ignore it off that resume. But Kevin, they won. So, I, yeah, I, I again, I've accepted that. Ballard is here, and he's probably going to be here for several more years. And how him and the Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson era work out will ultimately define whether or not he stays here for even longer than that. They won division titles, though, Kevin, with the previous regime. Well, yeah, there have not been division titles here, and there have not. And, and I know it, there is a little – I mean, yes, it's a bottom-line business. Obviously, Grigson and Pagano clearly had their issues. Um and so I think Jim Mercy has really, really liked Chris Boward's ability to not have like internal soap opera stuff play out between the head coach and GM. 
but the win-loss record, lack of division titles, waiting and waiting and waiting on the most important position in sports, not finding those premium positions. Uh, a lot of GMs would not have gotten as much of a leash as he has. Correct. Four questions left. Doug says that he's putting his conspiracy theory hat on, or as I like to call it, the tinfoiled hat, Okay. regarding the Jonathan Taylor contract. Doug's theory is that Chris Ballard saw four rough games of Shaq Leonard and started uh, seeing dollar signs for future years. Maybe Ballard reached out to Malki Kawa and cut a deal to pay Jonathan Taylor now, but have Malki agree to work with him on renegotiating Shaq Leonard's contract this offseason. What are your thoughts? Hope all is well and love the pod. I saw a tweet over the weekend that said Malky killed that whale. Ha. Are you allowed to say that? I think you can say whatever you want to say, but is it is it right? I don't think so. Did the whale money really go to Taylor? I mean, come on now. I um, give that to me one more time. Summarize. Sorry, please. Uh, Doug's conspiracy theory is that Chris Ballard saw four rough games from Shaq Leonard, started seeing dollar signs for the next uh, okay. couple of years with Shaq's contract, and so he cut Jonathan Taylor deal, and he's going to renegotiate with Malky Kawa on the future of Leonard with the Colts. You know, I'd love to see Malky's reaction if that is the case. Um, yeah, I mean, it certainly makes some sense there. Um, you know, money was never the issue, though. Money was never the issue. I, I think so much of this defines you know how you view market value for running backs, how you view Taylor with the market. And obviously, I'd love to give true serum to both parties. Like Jonathan Taylor acts like nothing was wrong. The dude literally was not showing up to football games. He was not showing up to practice. He was leaving the facility before noon. <laughs> We're talking about how Anthony Richardson's hanging around. Guy's out for three months. Jonathan Taylor's nowhere to be found after 11 a.m. each morning. Like I, It just... Did you need to see him healthy? Did you need to see Richardson play four games? Um, maybe it is some of that Leonard money. I, I I don't think so, but I don't know. Decent point to bring up. So uh, do we want to do a fun question, a serious question, a fun question to round out the final three, or serious, fun, fun, or fun, fun, serious? Let's go serious, fun, fun. Okay, so Joel and Dallas had a very similar question and or thought here. Watching the game on Sunday against Jacksonville, it was noted that the Colts have the 28th ranked defense on the season. I understand the growing pains with the young secondary, but how much does the overall defensive scheme hurt this team? It seems like between Matt Eberflus and Gus Bradley, the schemes always revolve around soft zone coverage and defensive backs playing off the line of scrimmage. This has continually led to be carved up by any quarterback the Colts face, including Josh Johnson and various rookie quarterbacks. It always seems like wide receivers are wide open when they need the stop the most. Is it the players? Is it the scheme? Is it the play calling? It gets frustrating as a fan when the defensive issues have been the same for years. P.S. What is the go-to type of Reese's? Cups. Damn, there's so many options right now. I like the giant cups with the um, Reese's Pieces in them. Ooh, yes. The That's big, where I'm going. I think they're the, called the big cup, right? But again, I mean, it's freaking chocolate and peanut butter. Who really cares on that? Um, I would say overall, whether it was Eberflus or Bradley, I see a defense that too often sits back on its heels, particularly, I think, more coverage-wise. 
And, and I'd like to see, and, and I guess blitzing a little bit. You know, they've always been low kind of in, in blitz totals. Uh, and I don't like that. I am a fan of disruption. You create disruption and the quarterback reacts to you. Not to, we're going to sit back and hope that over a 10 play drive, the defense is going, or the offense is going to screw up. I, I like a little bit more of that aggressive mindset. Obviously, great against the run. And we've talked about that. Did Grover Stewart just lose money on his next deal, by the way? Or did you hear know. Shane Steichen's comments today and think no? I haven't heard his comments yet, but based off of how you summarized it, I would say no. They love him, uh, but I am curious what that next contract could look like for Grover. 29 years old in a contract year. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it's weird because I, I consider Frank Reich a pretty aggressive minded head coach. I consider Shane Steichen a pretty aggressive minded head coach, and that's not necessarily been the case with their defenses. So, yeah. It's a little head-scratching to me. So two fun questions to round out the show. Uh, if you put the first initial of these two names, it's AR. Oh, look at you, Eddie. I, I didn't do it on purpose, but look at you. it's all you. Uh, Austin, this one is more of a funny question for you and Eddie. Who has better hair, Trevor Lawrence or Gardner Minshew? It's got to be Lawrence, right? The sunshine. Well, it depends what you want. I mean, honestly, I walked out. To the playing field on, what I guess that would have been the season opener, week one, and look out there and look at the Jags and start looking at you know some of the guys in their team. And I see Lawrence. I kid you not, I thought it was a tall WNBA player from behind. That's literally who I thought it was at first. I'm like, like to me, Lawrence's hair looks, to me, it just, I don't know. I mean, here I am describing Trevor Lawrence's hair. I never thought I'd be here. Uh, I, I'd go, I'd rather have Minshew's hair. I, li- I like Minshew's look. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of the stash, too. I'm going to mm. go Minshew over Lawrence on that one. Is that a hot take? No. I mean, it's all personal preference, right? I mean, I'm someone who's got, um, you know, curly, wavy hair, and it always bothered me. So that's why I go with the Lawrence angle here. It's all straight, natural. It looks natural in terms yeah, of the blonde. It is very straight. That is certainly the truth. And then it looks like there's a little bit of wave action going on in Minshew's, just a little bit, but all personal preference. All right, final question is from Richard. Hi, Kevin. I am coming to Indy from the UK for my first Colts game against the Browns. So I am unlikely to see very uh, unlikely to see Anthony Richardson, and I am very gutted about it. My question is: Does this possibly benefit the Colts in terms of our next year's draft, or not alter anything? As Minshew is such a solid backup. Also, after some suggestions to some places to visit while in Indy. Thanks. Yeah, I, I tend to think you're still going to hover around seven-ish wins, and that'll obviously lead to whatever middle of the pack from a draft standpoint. Okay, spots in Indy, Eddie? Anywhere downtown, for the most part, I near the stadium. I think the Slippery Noodle pregame's a must. Yep. And as long as it's a nice day on Sunday, I mean, touch downtown, uh, Georgia Street, Bullseye Event Center, those are all great spots as well. I'm a big fan of the garage up north on Mass Ave. It's kind of got a little bit of a city market vibe to it. Tons of uh, variety in terms of food spots up there. Pacers got a home game Friday night, right? Preseason game? Yes, they do. Could check out Gamebridge. I would assume get a very cheap ticket if you've never seen that. Bicentennial Plaza right next door. Um, Looking at 57 on Sunday. Oh, that's a little chillier. 
Uh, is Butler got a scrimmage or are we still a week out from scrimmages? I don't know. Maybe Hinkle could be. We went to um, Molina. I hope I'm saying that right. I could be saying that really wrong. Italian restaurant in Fountain Square last weekend. Great spot. Fairly priced, I thought, for a nice Italian restaurant. Uh, if you want to, you could go to the Fountain Square rooftop. Get a little spot. Get, get a little site there of downtown. There's always the Old Spaghetti Factory downtown, too. Old Spaghetti Factory. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'd say those are some of the spots to go. You know, walk up and down Mass Ave. I think that's a great area. Probably do that a little bit more Saturday, Sunday. I would assume you want to be a little bit more stadium-centric. Slip yeah. Noodle, the oldest bar here in uh, in Indy. Yep. All right. So, that rounds out in terms of the meat of the podcast. Uh, who made the prediction first last week? I think I did, Eddie Garrison. So, you okay. are up this week. All right. So, I will go Cleveland... Oh boy, uh, Cleveland. Let's go sixteen and Colts nine. I will go seventeen thirteen Browns. I am curious. Like the Colts have a great kicker. I do think in a game like this that comes in handy. And I say that in all seriousness because the Colts kind of outkicked their way. But you know, for the Colts, I think to win, they're going to need to do. They're going to need Philip Walker to turn it over like he did last week and create a short field. Uh, I guess I'm assuming it's Walker. Uh, and or a special teams play. That's how I kind of view it. I, I just think it's very hard to... Got to get a special teams play against Bubba Ventrone. That's a great point as well. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult to get multiple touchdowns and a field goal against this sort of defense. Like real drives, you know, 60, 70, 80 yard drives. So, yeah, I'm going to go Brown 17-13, but... That PJ Walker, that is making me think long and hard about taking the Colts. So can't I, see uh, where I think the Vegas line makes a lot of sense. Can't see. Uh, can't wait to see where um, Miles Garrett lines up. In yeah, terms especially of, no Braden Smith today. So obviously, if it's Blake Freeland, we'll see where Miles Garrett is lining up a lot on Sunday. He is Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. We will be back on Monday recapping Colts and Browns. Everybody have a great rest of the week. Great weekend.